Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the Netflix original film When We First Met. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do proceed without having seen the film, just be aware that the plot will be spoiled for you. Enjoy. Hello, hello. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Took you a second to connect there. It did. Um, I have updated to the new whatever for macOS. Oh, macOS Mojave. Yeah, and so every time I want to use anything, it's telling me, do you want to give access to this? It's like, yes, of course I fucking do. <laughs> well, may- maybe you don't, because, man, I'm I'm going to say some shit today. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Um, I, I really didn't want to use my microphone or camera when using Google Hangouts. <laughs> yeah, thanks Apple. What we wanted to do was a, a silent podcast. So the, yeah, thanks the, Apple. The podcast equivalent of John Cage's four thirty three. <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone that, done apart that? Apart from for podcasts, Someone I mean, it would have, have to be that. four hours and thirty three minutes instead of four minutes and thirty three. <laughs> if no one has done that, I am going to do that. Because it wouldn't we'll be very it. difficult to do. Wouldn't take much production. No, no. Loads uh, of reverb everywhere for the, all that silence. Yeah. But all the Cage purists, and I don't mean fans of Nicolas Cage, I mean fans of John Cage, they'd tell me that if I wasn't actually recording an orchestra sitting there doing nothing, that it wouldn't technically be 433. It still has to be a performance. But would it work if I sat there with a guitar and didn't play it for 433? Oh, if it's going to be a podcast, surely it would just be us sitting there in silence. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, let, let's just do that. I've not got anything better to do. There we go. <laughs> I mean, we we do have lots <laughs> of time on our hands. Yeah. No, actually, actually, we're on a we're on a schedule. This is the first ever episode where we're on a schedule. I got to finish by eight uh, eight forty five so I can go and pick my wife up from pregnancy yoga. So, yes. There we go. So we have got to power through. Uh, my my exciting evening has consisted of feeding the cat. And writing some stuff for the website. How is that cat? The cat is loving life. She has been a cuddly little monster. Is she living her um, best life? She is definitely living her best life. Her best life does include occasionally deciding that she wants to attack my feet because they're hilarious and good fun. Um, Your but feet? I, I'm willing to accept that. Yeah. I'll, I'll walk along and then suddenly she'll jump out from on the table and rugby tackle my leg. Oh. Where has she learned? Has she been going to play rugby? That's, that's a hell of a technique. Yeah. Yeah. We've been sending her to cat sports school. Cat sports school, yeah. It's yeah. like it's like um, it's like Hogwarts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She got a little letter in the post saying, "You're not a cat. You're going to play rugby." Yeah, <laughs> and you're going to play sports, and it's co- going to cost you a quid each time. Yep, for each sport. Do you see what I did there? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry, I'm thinking about Harry Potter a lot because earlier this week I was lucky enough to go to the premiere of Fantastic Beasts: The Crimes of Grindelwald, which is obviously an I, extension I hear it is, of the Potter universe. I hear it is something of a cinematic crime, though. Yeah, well, obviously 
I got a ticket through work and the company they work for publishes the script book and I do I do a lot of the reason I got a ticket was because I do a lot of work for JK Rowling's charity Lumos which is doing amazing work trying to end the institutionalization of children ensuring that children grow up in family care which is great but yeah I don't I wouldn't say it's a crime but it's it's two and a half hours of exposition that's all it is so I mean, that's that is what I want yeah <laughs> that's <laughs> all what I want is the exposition yeah that's that's what you want it's a, it's a bit like um, it's sort of reminded me of one of those one of the Star Wars prequels actually, where it was just trying so hard to set up for future stuff that there wasn't enough of a thread. It's just too many characters all doing different things but never really coming together fully. But it was still spectacular, and I saw Ezra Miller cool. from afar, who seemed to be dressed as a giant chicken. So that was great. It was worth going just for that. <laughs> I mean, that is worthwhile, isn't it? That kid's got style. I do love a bit of Ezra. It's good. I think I'm trying to think what else I've seen him in. Um We need to talk about Kevin, which is very harrowing. And the perks of being a wallflower, which was surprisingly good. Yeah, I didn't really care for the We Need to Talk About Kevin movie. I quite liked the book. I never I never read I the book. I didn't get on very well with the film. Oh, ah, okay. Did you feel it was an unfaithful adaptation? I think it was faithful, but I just think it works better in a in a book rather than in a movie format. Right. Well, I'm never going to read it because Lionel Shriver is a gammon, so... (laughs) (laughs) Yes, indeed, she is. She's made a lot of really stupid, like, anti-diversity comments that I have no truck with. Indeed. Yeah. But that film does star John C. Riley in one of his rare serious roles, which is a good thing. It is. It's good. He's he's very good in that as well. Suits him. Yeah. So that was good. Um, but that's not even the biggest film event of this week because the trailer was released for Detective Pikachu. Can we talk about that <laughs> for was. a second? Yeah, let's talk Detective Pikachu. Um, I, I would like to bring up that there's this big um, there's this big fight at the moment within within the geek community over whether the Pokemon look good or not. Because oh, the, the the geek community of which I am not a part. You are definitely not. You have been excluded I'm for your, your lack of. You have not made enough enough horrific comments about minorities or women to be allowed to be in the geek community. So you've been you've been kicked out. Yeah. And so what I've never done is got all up in a woman's mentions on Twitter asking her to debate me apropos of nothing. Hashtag Paddygate. Um, and um, so debate me. so this is <laughs> debate me. <laughs> off off. That was a sea lion, by the way. Um, and um, so so there's been this big fight about whether the Pokemon look good or not because some people have said oh, they're all furry or scaly. It all looks a bit weird. I don't like it. And other people have said, well, what did you expect them to be smooth? <laughs> it's an electric mouse. It's going to be going to be going to be furry. Yeah. Pikachu is literally a mouse like that. That's, he is described and shown in all kind of Pokemon canon. He's a t- like a mouse. Yeah. Mice have fur. Yeah, like if yeah. they were smooth, it would be horrible and weird. Imagine how creepy it would look <laughs> if it was smooth just all of, these, all of these smooth, like lifeless plastic things walking around. Um, it would, yeah, I, I think they made the right call. And it looks like the, the kind of absolute nonsense that I'll go for. I think it looks like glorious nonsense. I think it looks really fun. I definitely want there to be some kind of love triangle involving Pikachu, though. It looks like Ted but not disgusting. <laughs> I, I quite like Ted. I think Ted's quite funny. I've never actually seen it. It's it's actually quite good. There's some really funny moments in it. I've seen a um, lot of it... Ted talks, obviously. <laughs> Angry, cuddly bears giving um, discussions about life, the universe and everything. Oh, yeah. 
I, but, I'd, but if I'd it's Pikachu that. doing that, I'm going to choose Pikachu every time. Well, yes, because it, it's it's Pikachu. Yeah, no, I think I think that film looks great. Um, I'm all on board for it. The haters can go away. Indeed. Yeah, I actually think that genuinely, if they were to do like a a more Pokemon-y Pokemon movie that was live action, the way they've done the Pokemon, I think would work. Yeah, I th- I'm in two minds about it. I think it needs to be something. I think Pokemon does. It works incredibly well as a game series, and it manage it still manages to capture that thing where it's still enjoyable to play. Like you can pick up a Pokemon game and you'll be hooked for a few hours. It's still got that, and I don't know how well that does convert into TV. And I know that there was the you know there's the big Pokemon anime series, and everyone loved that. But let's be honest, guys, you ever tried rewatching it? It's basically just an advert. It's, <laughs> it's, it's twenty minute adverts. Yeah, one at a time to go buy this game, go buy these cards, go buy a fluffy Pikachu toy, and then you got the Pokemon wrap, and you got the Poker wrap. Yeah, so adverts and wrapping. You know, it's a great combination. You know, the late nineties to early two thousands was a simple time. You know, <laughs> it was. That, was that was all we needed. And other film news: um, Ennio Morricone denies calling Quentin Tarantino a cretin. Is there a more disappointing headline in the history of cinema? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I loved reading that that interview. It's a shame that it turns out that it it may well not have been accurate, or that he's maybe backing down from is his, it fake news his claims. Fake news. Tarantino is loved by everybody. He's not divisive at all. Oh, for fuck's sake! Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna read it out. It's, it's, it's from the Guardian. Um, in an article on the Playboy, so that's the original interview is on Playboy. Um, his contents were widely reported elsewhere. Morricone ninety was quoted as saying, "The man is a cretin." He just steals from others and puts it together again. There is nothing original about that. He is not a director either, so not comparable to real Hollywood greats like John Huston, Alfred Hitchcock, or Billy Wilder. They were great. Tarantino is just cooking up old stuff. Morricone was also quoted in the Playboy article as describing Tarantino's films as trash and criticising him for making impossible demands. He calls out of nowhere and then wants to have a finished film score within days, which is impossible, which makes me crazy. Yes, yeah, apparently he, he asked, because he, he did the, the score to The Hateful Eight, didn't he? Um, and apparently the demands were, were a bit unreasonable. Yeah, it's a um, shame. I really want someone as high profile as Morricone to just publicly diss Tarantino, especially, <laughs> especially someone <laughs> musical as well. Like, I, I wish, yeah, Morricone would release a diss track, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and a 90 year old man's diss track against the director that would just make me very happy that's my Chris, my be, christmas witch my my one wish for christmas apart from i want the blue jays to sign bartolo cologne but that's a, that's a baseball related wish you ever seen bartolo cologne i love his name he's the oldest active player in mlb he's a big fat dominican guy and he's a real legend of the game and yeah he's great he he'll um I just want the Jays to sign him. But, you know, wishful thinking, wishful thinking. But maybe if I could get in some kind of, like, haunted phone booth or whatever, I could go back in time and make them sign him when he's a young lad. That would be a great thing to do, rather than mess with the lives of one of your closest friends. <laughs> like in could... our movie! <laughs> or I could go back in time and um, tell Tarantino that he sucks when he's really young and put him off filmmaking. Or something like that. <laughs> Yes. But then he'd be making music. Oh, God, yeah. That would probably be worse. <laughs> it's easier to avoid films you don't like than it is to avoid music you don't like, right? It is. It is. Because music you don't like will just suddenly appear out of nowhere. 
Whereas you do have an option to just not watch a movie you don't like. Yeah. So, yeah, the, you're right. And the lesson from that, so as similar to the lesson of this film that we're going to discuss, is don't fuck with time, motherfucker. Yeah. Don't mess with time travel. Have you not watched literally any time travel movie? <laughs> yeah. You ever seen Doctor Who? That shit is wild. <laughs> have you have you watched the butterfly effect have you watched 12 monkeys have you watched well terminators maybe not a great example because <laughs> it all works out for them in the end yeah. kind of but you know it still happens there's still the big old nuclear war have you watched the time traveler's wife the time traveler's divorce more like <laughs> i've never even time seen it. time traveler's strife <laughs> um and yeah so so this movie right this movie is it's like it's it, called it, when it, we first met it's on netflix it came out this year on netflix and i don't remember seeing anything about it at all which i think actually is an interesting thing about how netflix's algorithm works is that this is recommended to me by my cousin grace who is younger than me hi grace um and i think Hello. it's a slightly different demographic in terms of age to maybe what they're recommending to people like us we're probably we probably got recommended set it up as well but think these kind of films skew a little bit younger and maybe they're not recommending them to us because once you get to 30 it's all war documentaries right i think the other thing is that between when this released and when um the likes of uh, to all the boys i loved before released there was a very big change in focus on Netflix originals. And it was only really after and and sort of a a few months after Netflix announced we're going to put loads more money into original material that people started taking a bigger notice of it. Yeah. And before that, there was much less of an emphasis on this as a Netflix original, apart from the series side of things like Stranger Things, stuff like that. Whereas ever since then, there's been a lot of push for these Netflix original shows and movies in particular um so so a, a recent one that i really liked was apostle which was a great little psychological horror with this weird folk horror um undertones to it all and that that was a great little movie imagine the wicker man but with the occasional bit of amazing violence in it um and without nicholas and Cage. yeah without nicholas cage I, w- <laughs> I was thinking of the original version then with edward woodward not the nicholas cage one no i've, uh, I've never um, seen the cage version I I haven't seen the Cage version either, believe it or not. Um, but yeah, so and, and so I think these kind of movies, I think if they were released now, they would get a much bigger sort of like audience or, or they would have been talked about a lot more because this movie, I wouldn't say that, I mean, it's, it's better than um, Creepy Catfish. Yeah. For instance. I'll, I'll, I'll begrudgingly give it that. <laughs> um so so it would have found and 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 it looks as though it has found some kind of an audience but it seems to have been more of a sleeper hit than something that was talked about everywhere like i didn't remember seeing anything on buzzfeed about it for instance whereas no, buzzfeed it, is normally it, all it's over it's a very buzzfeed originals. yeah you could call this buzzfeed the movie <laughs> <laughs> um so so shall we shall we explain what happens we've yeah got, we've yeah. got a fella We've got a fella who feels like he's in the friend zone because it's a movie and the friend zone actually exists in movies. Yeah, yeah, um, rather than in real life where like he maybe could just like be friends with someone. Yeah. But try um, try and... telling that to Jack Black. Oh, sorry, I mean um, Adam Devine. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you said that because all the way through this movie, and, and it's something I thought about um, Adam Devine's, or Adam Devine, how, how do you pronounce it? I say Devine. Because it's like Kevin Devine, who I'm wearing his T-shirt right now, who's one of oh, my favourite nice. singer-songwriters, and I assumed it was like that, but it may well be Devine. I don't know, but Devine sounds like kind of prince-like, doesn't it? 
It sort of lends him an air of European sounding gravitas that I don't think he has. <laughs> but, but in this movie, um, our boy Adam, we'll call him Adam. Um, he it, he's like he's he's emulating Jack Black, and and I find that quite a lot with often often he he's got that kind of energy off the wall um, innocence to him. If you know what I mean, he really feels like like a young Jack Black, like someone has shaved something off Jack Black's arm, chucked it in a lab, and let it grow into Adam Devine. I thought um, you were going to say shaved something off his ass. <laughs> well, that too, just a little bit, because that's where they take skin from if they do like a skin graft or whatever. It's true, yeah. They take it off the buttocks. Yeah, that's where you've got the skin to spare. You know, you don't, um, you don't but, want to ruin but, Jack Black's muscular arms. You know, you don't know. You go for the arse, don't you? Yeah. Um. So, 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 yeah. So, Adam, Adam, the clone of Jack Black. Um. He's, he's got that clone, kind of energy to him. Like he's yeah, he's got that kind of energy, and he he talks like him. Did you did you think that like his the he way does, he, he does, enunciates yeah. words is so similar? And I do, very but much not in a way me... where I feel like it's a rip off. It's just like no, it's he's doing his thing. Yes, exactly. It's 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 that kind of energy to him, and and so it do, it feels almost like Jack Black in um in School of Rock, I yeah. guess, including the sweater vest. There's sweater vests in this yeah. movie. There's sweater vests in that movie. Yeah. A Cosby sweater. I oh, know that's high fidelity. <laughs> Although interestingly, there is a link to when we first met because did you notice? There's a point. We'll explain the plot in a minute, but in like two, it's maybe two thirds of the way through the film. They're at that one of the many times he's at the Halloween party, and the bartender gives him a drink, and he goes, "Thank you, Bill Cosby." And I was like, "What the fuck? This film was made this year. Why would you reference Bill Cosby? That's horrible." Yeah, yeah. By by this point, yeah. The only thing I can think is that maybe at the time that it started being made, the full extent of the allegations hadn't been made but it's the kind of thing that you'd you'd have thought okay well we'll we'll change that in post yeah like that you? that's that one line could easily be edited out <laughs> thank you my friend <laughs> thank you bill frosty <laughs> thank it? you bob hoskins <laughs> bob geldof <laughs> <laughs> and so so there's yeah and 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 yeah, so I think that could have quite easily been been changed in post. Yeah, it? that was that. just a very strange moment. Yes. So so but so anyway. the point in general, he he's he's in the friend zone. He's sad about it at his friend's engagement. Do his friend who he loves. Um, he's all like, "Oh, I missed my chance with her." Sad, sad face, sad. Um, so he he goes back and he takes some photos at the magical photo booth where they first sort of there was this like moment where he thought there was something going on when there wasn't um and um and basically um he travels back in time back to the date of when he first met her and he has the chance to do it over again um and he does that a few times and each time it it ends up being a different outcome and what he's trying to do is he's trying to make it so that that he has a perfect life with her um but it's all a little bit creepy yeah is that creepy. fair to say yeah yeah and then there's a huge turns out which is that oh actually it turns out he was perfect for her friend who was there the whole time but because she was literally in the background instead of sort of filmically in the background but actually involved in some stuff to build up their relationship it makes no sense 
it does it does make no sense and it comes out of nowhere and it really frustrated me because this movie was so close so close to making a really good point and that good point would have been hey you know what i value your friendship yep and that would have been great it would have been really good if he realized you know what what i wanted was just to have her in my life as a friend but instead and 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 they nearly get there there's that moment where he says what I needed was your friendship or something similar to that. And at that moment, I was thinking, yes, yes, you finally worked out what the message of this movie should have been. But then he follows it up with, because through your friendship, I would meet other girl who I am clearly made to be with after having five minutes of conversation with. Yeah, no, he literally says like, oh, yeah, I needed you to get to her. That was it. Like, like she's completely disposable, which, yeah, really sours it. But I think even the whole plot, the idea of actually thinking you're supposed to be with one person and then finding out that you're supposed to be with another person through the medium of time travel, that's good. I don't have a problem with that as a story. I think actually conceptually, it's very, very good. It's just executed in quite a cheap and lazy way. Like, yeah, it just just could have been really, really good. But yeah, it could have. It could have. And that could have worked incredibly well. Um, But unfortunately, yeah, the, the... the, the way that it was delivered leaves a lot to be desired. And and I still would think, like, it would have been really nice if there'd been a movie just about a platonic friendship between a man and a woman like this. Yeah, that... If they'd done that, that would have been really nice. It, can you it just think so of a nice. film where that happens? Let's have a look. I can't think or of any off the top of my head. That's actually, like, what it's kind of thematically about. Because I'm racking my brains and I can't. Unless it's, like, about being friend-zoned or whatever. Yeah, and and that's the thing is like because there is this whole thing about being friend zone and and you know a lot of people go through they like somebody and they don't like them back and you know that kind of dissipates and they become friends with them you know it 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 it, it happens um but there's this so there's so much of this emphasis on um being made for one another and feeling as though there is this friend zone thing where you are just looked at as being this good friend that's you know too good for this woman and why can't she recognize how great you are and that and that's what this film ties into and i think it would have been a really strong message to be like no dude no chill the fuck out it's good that you've got this really close friend and that's all there is to it and there and she's with someone who she's perfect for and i think it's really sweet the way that in every eventuality effectively they they point out that she's supposed to be with is he ethan is ethan his name yep ethan i kept wanting to call him dexter because he looks like that guy called dexter in what the fuck was that film um something borrowed which we should talk about at some point um that yeah he looks very much like that guy but sort of leaner and even more athletic yes yeah um and yeah it would have been it would have been nice to to have something where it's like hey no it's it's cool that you're the best friend yeah or just like what they both get out of friendship you know, that kind of thing and then yeah the only film i can think of is the literal opposite which is when harry met sally where the yeah, message, yeah the or friends with benefits stuff that, like that yeah literally that men and women can't be friends yeah and and i i think it's something that could really work as a as a movie device yeah is the whole hey no it's cool that we're just buds yeah fun buds yeah and so it's a bit of a shame that it didn't go down that route and it's even more of a shame that the the actual romance was so poorly laid out because um the way that he realizes that this this other girl is meant she he's meant to be with um 
is that she likes stuff that he likes and his friend is just a phony who never liked yeah. it. None of which was because, made apparent in any of the other scenes. No, until it's just mentioned. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and also again, it's like suddenly they're really like yeah, so Alexandra Daddario's character really gets like absolutely thrown under the bus because it's all like, oh actually she's a fake and she doesn't even like anything. She just steals her taste from her cool friend. That's horrible. Like Yeah, what, there, what's there, wrong there with is people a... liking stuff? Like that's, there is a that really smacks of the heavy... kind of elitism about liking things or about fandom and stuff. It's the same as like people who think that women can't like a thing or, you know, like fake geek girls or whatever. Or that like w- women who watch baseball are only watching it to see like the guy's butts. And I mean, I'm watching it for the guy's butts as well. But, you know, it's it's it smacks of that, don't you think? There is a very heavy mani- manic pixie dream girl element to this movie um, that slowly seeps its way in. Manic pixie baseball um, girl. Manic pixie baseball girl. Um, and it's all it's all sort of like, oh, but you're the cool one and your friend is just a normal person. Um and I think it's a real shame because I think um Alexander Daddario puts in a really good performance here. Yeah. Um it's it's certainly they're, they're, a lot better than Baywatch. <laughs> it is a lot better than Baywatch. And and you know, I I think maybe we're doing this film a bit of a dis- disservice by ripping on it so much because it is it it is a competent movie and there's lots of moments in it that made me laugh and there's lots of moments in it that made me feel for the characters and want the characters to succeed. But there is that core issue with how it operates. Um, and, I wouldn't say that yeah, I hated so I think it. that's a real shame. No, no, no. I'd 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 say I probably still liked it. Um, I don't. I don't but, know. That I'd go as far as to say that I liked it. I think I was very frustrated by it because, as I said, it's if it's. A, I think it's a good plot and a solid story, but it's then badly executed. I find that very frustrating. That's almost worse than kind of bad storytelling. So, I think that that just irritated me too much to be able to say that I fully like liked it. But I was entertained, and there were thing there were things that I enjoyed and fun little moments, and when. When he's funny, he is genuinely enjoyable to watch. It's just a shame that a lot of the comedy also falls flat as well. But there are moments of comedy that did make me chuckle. Yeah, there there are moments in this movie that I think are funny, and I think a lot of that is carried by the performances themselves. So, um, so Adam Adam Devine or Adam Devine, he's he's really good. I like him in this. Adam um, Alexander De- Adam Levine. <laughs> <laughs> um Alexander Daddario is really good. I think she's I think she's quite talented actually. I know that she's I been I think in, she's very you know, good and she's been in a lot of rubbish. Yeah, I, I think, think that's the problem is be that she's been in good films. She's been in some bad stuff and I'd like to see her in some good stuff. Yeah. Um, she has been in an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So She has, yeah. That's going to mean that she always gets a pass. One of my favorite episodes of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia as well. I love that episode so much. Um, and and so there's also Shelley Hennig who plays Carrie, the friend who is in the background and suddenly comes to the foreground out of nowhere. Um, she is in Ouija, which is a not very good horror movie. That's where I've seen her Ooh, in things. Okay. Um, but um, but I like her in this movie. I think she's good. She's got that sassy best friend thing down, um, which is always you know it's a character trope, but I think it's always an enjoyable character trope. Yeah. And the fact that they they did try to invert it and then have that as the the sort of main love interest i think that would have been really cool it's just a shame that they did all of that in the last 10 minutes yeah um that that really worked in terms of both that's again why it frustrated me so much is because both of their performances were good and there was some chemistry between them they just really didn't set it up properly it was just yeah, very yeah. clumsy. And, and there is plotted. that chemistry there and 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 the scenes where they do like 
lean on each other um, work very well. It's just a shame that it was so poorly done um, because there's that potential there to actually build it into a good relationship, but they spend so long doing the chase and maybe they could have cut out a couple of the the repeats, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, Like, you know, you've got the... uh, There's a couple in there that I think you really needed. So you needed the first one where he went back and tried to do it smoothly um then you've got the um then you've got the one at the end where he realizes that she's not ever going to love him um which again i think is a is a good turning point yeah um but i think those two are the only ones that integral so so choose three have three flashbacks um and if you need to get more ideas in do what groundhog day did and have it as sort of like a quick cut montage thing where you do several very quickly but instead they sort of all of them take a lot of time and because of that they don't spend a lot of time developing Carrie's character at all um and instead they could have implemented her in the different flashbacks as well much more heavily and had them building up this conversation because he mentions that she's always been there for him in in these repeats that he's done but you never really see that in the movie no you don't it's because the movie is way too focused on trying to be a goofy comedy and trying to get comedy mileage out of him and his character at the expense of actual plotting. And, the you know, you don't necessarily have to plot a movie like this that tightly. You know, it's not a thriller. It doesn't rely on loads of intricate stuff. You just have to build up certain things in a logical way. And it doesn't do that because it's too busy making, you know, giving him opportunities to goof around. Some of which are funny and some are not. When he wakes up and he's got frosted tips and he goes, I went full asshole. That was very, very funny. I enjoyed that very much. Yes, yeah. And that's really good. And and there are moments like that within it. I, I'd say it's a bit unfair to say that it focuses too much on the goofy comedy. I think the problem with this movie is that it doesn't have its different acts structured out correctly enough. Yeah. So there's a lot of time in, a lot of time in the middle act, I'd say in this film yeah Um, and you're like where is this going you know kind of going through all of these different flashbacks and where is it actually going and then when it when it gets to the point where it's sort of he actually realizes that yeah that she's never going to love him that's a point where i actually thought okay this is the point this is where it's actually going to get good i'm invested in this i care and then 15 minutes 10 to 15 minutes later it was all rushed through to its conclusion and it was over yeah so so there's that one afterwards isn't there where it's like oh no but i'm supposed to be with you and it doesn't work out that way either. And then it goes back to the final one. And I think they really should have done that better. Yeah. Um, I just think, yeah, it's a bit of a, it's a shame really that they rushed the ending so much because there's so much potential there. Either way they went with it. I mean, I would have really loved it to be a, just a platonic movie, maybe with a little hint at the end that they're, you know, they're going to be more than friends going forwards. Yeah. That would have been cool. I would have liked that. Um, either or that they they very much set up that they were going to get together that would have also been cool um it didn't have to be a huge big thing did it even as long as it was sort of implied that he was going to get with her that would have been enough you could have just seen them both like in a jazz bar sort of bonding and that would have said it you know it's, yeah, yeah yeah bonding over count basie uh, which is bullshit because nobody actually likes jazz <laughs> i'd say we, we've watched two movies with jazz pianists this yeah. is the the nicer of the two jazz pianists. <laughs> I will not hear that. He is he is a much nicer fella than uh, Ryan Gosling. That is heinous. In, How dare in, you? In La La Land, <laughs> at no point does he try to save jazz from the evil black people, Paddy. 
never happens <laughs> no. in this movie. I'm okay with it. That's true. It's all fine because his best friend is black, right? His, his best and friend call, is black. He, and he calls all bartenders Bill Cosby. <laughs> Um, yeah, this movie this movie is a, has a nicer representation of the jazz scene, even though it's still elitist. But let's be honest with you. Yeah. Here. No, but what I mean is nobody who is young and f- young and fun and carefree like this likes jazz. Yeah, I I I don't meet many young people who like jazz. People who like I'm jazz are nerds. They're not going to Halloween parties. Like, <laughs> nobody goes from a Halloween a dress up Halloween party to a late night jazz bar. That doesn't happen. And and one thing that I did find a bit strange was what age are these people supposed to be? Because that that Halloween party is definitely like a a, a university slash college Halloween party. Yeah. People who actually have jobs don't go to parties like that very often. I, I thought they were sort of early to mid-twenties, so out of college and like early-ish in their careers. Although, yeah. of course, he has a really cool career working as a jazz pianist in a bar, which famously pays very well. <laughs> it does pay unbelievably well, yeah. I've heard. But his friend is working at the, the boring company um, where he's like the mailroom guy, but claiming that he's the as, like senior vice president, which is quite enjoyable. And yes, it's later yeah. on when he works there, you find out the company is just called Corporate Asset Management. Which is extremely <laughs> funny. That I did. Ri- I did really like. Really tickled me. I did like the character of Max. Actually, I, I think that that's how you do a sort of sleazy womanizer character well. Yeah. Um, and and sort of you can tell that there is that care there for his friend as well in it. Um, and so he was very funny with it when he was when he was on screen. I liked. I, I liked the characters in this movie. I don't think there's a single character I didn't like. No, no, none of the characters themselves were hateful. It's the the story and the writing that's the problem. But yeah, well, I have to take issue with Max's not his actions, but not necessarily the character himself. But he, when he's like taking Adam Devine is taking advice from him because he sees his friend Max as like a smooth player guy. And basically Max's advice is to neg. So it comes across as a bit pickup artisty. And then he like goes to the party and negs her. And then of course that means she wants to have sex with him. And then that's how he becomes the Guy Fieri frosted tipped asshole, which is funny. But I still wonder if the message of that was still just a little bit that negging equals sex. Well, don't you think though that in that scene I didn't read it as negging equals sex. I saw it as he attempts to neg and fails very badly. And what leads to that attraction between the two of them is the character underneath. Because because the only way that he, you know, she she's just going to walk off, but then he occasionally fails at negging so badly that it comes across as like an actual positive comment. And I think that's what the message was, that is that negging is definitely bad be yourself yeah yeah it's just that the scene itself felt like it was yeah i don't know it felt a bit i i I disagree with you bear paddy i don't think it was pro negging in the slightest um and the fact that it frames it in such a negative manner i i i I don't take any problem with that scene yeah i i I didn't like it but i did like when he woke up with frosted tips so yeah it was quickly forgotten (laughs) yes yeah yeah I think the um the the like photo booth thing looked a lot like the fairground ride in Big that makes Tom Hanks turn into a, a big boy. Yeah, it was clearly trying to emulate that same kind of thing, wasn't it? it it's yeah, it's yeah. Big meets Groundhog Day yep. meets I don't know Big Hog Day. Um, big Hog Day. <laughs> 
Yeah, and also nobody wears sleeveless jumpers. That's not a thing. I know you have seen me wear one, but that was a good 10 years ago. I was going to say, you've worn them before. Yeah, but, but <laughs> you know, that was a long time ago. Nobody wears them now, least of all young people. People who are supposed to be his age don't do those kind of things. But I, I have seen sort of like hipster type people wearing them around. I'm have not going to lie. I, I have, yes. In your, your job where you work for corporate asset management. <laughs> yes, exactly. Where I work for corporate asset management. No, when I've been out and about in London in hipster territory, I've seen people wearing sweater vests. Oh, yeah. Um, and so they definitely are the kind of people that would also play piano at a jazz bar. Yeah. Well, so that, I, I'd that say that part, that's a... Yeah. I'd say that that's a pretty accurate representation. <laughs> I, I take no problem with his uh, yeah. with his sweater vest. But he's not a committed jazz guy. That's the thing. He's not wearing sweater vests enough. A lot of the other time, he's just like wearing t-shirts and stuff. He's not committed to it like Ryan Gosling, is what I'm saying. <laughs> you mean he's not a complete asshole? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, yeah, ironically, yeah, he doesn't go full asshole. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, what I find interesting is... And and I think there is this problem where it's three years ahead, isn't it? Um, yeah. From from the date. And Although the film doesn't really tell you that, it just kind of expects you to work it out from the flashbacks. The logic of which doesn't become apparent until the second or third one. So you're like, okay, he's back there, but now he's back here, and now he's going back there again. So oh, okay, he gets one day, three years, right? Got it. But yeah, and then well, after of course he spent literally fifteen minutes going around going. How am I in a different time period? How has this happened? Where? Yeah, it has the. I I think it's quite easy to work out what's going on, um, and I think it it does make it quite clear that it is then three years in the future again after he's gone back in time. But they they do the very heavy, um, oh my god, I'm in the past thing. Yeah. Um, which I don't think they really needed to do. I think they could have done it much easier than. And and maybe, you know, I did quite like the thing that really made it click to him that he can't get a blueberry Red Bull. Yeah. I think that was quite that was quite funny. Um and I think maybe if they, they could have kept that in and that could have worked quite well, but I don't think it really necessarily needed the whole Oh my god, I've gone back in time. Yeah, or in the last one he literally looks at himself and says, I'm fat now <laughs> as if you like, as if <laughs> thanks. We hadn't noticed that they put you in a hilarious fat suit. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of explaining what's going on, which yeah. I don't necessarily there think it needed. There is so much plot telling. It's unbelievable. Um, which, yeah, I don't think it needed that. I think it was... Um, it it didn't need that. Yeah. But I, I also thought that the, the, the way that the plot works with him going back specifically three years was sort of an, an interest. It could have also been an interesting and very different story if it was about the choice, you know, because every, every good plot is about a choice. That choice, would you go back three years to definitely win back the love of your life, but have to do those three years again? Especially if, like, some bad shit happened in those three years that you knew you couldn't control. If it focused on that element of it, it made me think that that might have been a very interesting idea for a, a kind of film and the kind of road that it could have gone down if it took more care with its writing instead of, you know, doing what it did. Yeah, and and that would have been quite cool. There's lots of things they could have done because it doesn't just do the repeat day. And I think it was a bit strange the way that it formulated those four year, those three years in the future. Um, like, how did this guy who just takes his friend's advice once to be a, a sleazy dude 
turn into that sleazy dude full time. Yeah. That, yeah, that, that was really a bit unbelievable as well. Actually, I think that how was a in bit every one, you know, over three years in every single one, he actually was a completely different person and nobody changes really that much. You know, it's exaggerated for the purposes of comedy, obviously. But yeah, there was an element of um, there being a bit unbelievable to that as well. Yeah. And so I, I think they, that was a bit strange, the way that they did it. Um, and also, I would have really liked to have seen what would happen in those three years more. Um, because they kind of just hint at it but they don't really tell you Um, which I I, you know there's lots of interesting stuff going on behind the scenes in this movie that you never really see because it's too focused on its central gimmick yeah exactly it's 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 a gimmicky film isn't it and I got the feeling that they assembled quite a good cast and then didn't really spend enough on getting good writing and that that's the thing you know it probably felt like they actually churned it out a little bit not as much as something like A Christmas Prince or The Holiday Sexy Santa or whatever the new one is that they're pushing now for Christmas. But it's it's not like those. It's a, it's a level above those, but definitely a level below stuff like Stranger Things or whatever, where I feel like that I don't know who wrote it, but I'd imagine that they're not necessarily a big draw and that they were given probably a tight time period in which to turn it around and they threw it together quickly and cheaply is the impression that I got. See, I don't get that impression. I think this movie is just as fine as your standard rom-com from when from the height of rom-com era. Um, I don't think it's a level below that, um, but I think maybe it's them trying to find their feet in working out the right formula to bring the rom-com back to modern day audiences, which they of course perfected with "To All the Boys I Loved Before." Yeah, um, but, but you know, that was they, based they, on a book. That was based on a book, but, you know, the way that they framed it and the way that they paced it, that all worked incredibly well. Whereas here, the big issue is the pacing. So I do wonder whether it's them trying to revitalise that genre um, to a streaming audience um, and and, and not quite working out how it works. But I I wouldn't say that this movie suffers from a cheapness more so than its predecessors from about a decade ago. I think it's on par with that for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. If you compare it to like a Jack Black film like Shallow Hal or something, it's just as it's more it's not as stupid as that. It's, <laughs> like, be- it's better than Shallow Hal. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah, just something like that. But yeah, it's it's definitely it's the the equivalent of a lot of films that you know would have done it ten the same thing ten years ago, but it still felt cheap to me. Um and it's got a decent writer behind it. It's the guy who did the Lego Batman movie. Oh, okay. Um, I have not seen that. Which is but it looks it's very good. funny. It's it's a good one um so the lego yeah, movie i enjoyed very much i watched it yeah the lego time. movie was good as well um but yeah so i think everything is awesome it, it's it's yeah i think it's maybe netflix trying to find their feet in working out the formula which they you know they've perfected a few months later um and it's i i think it's a fine movie it's it's i enjoyed it it it, it's got some major problems but i don't think there's anything that could have been couldn't have been overcome through another look through the script and a little bit of clever editing yeah it it just needed a good a good edit but yeah the the idea is good the premise is good the characters are good and enjoyable so it's it's well worth watching for sure as you know any any of our listeners who enjoy a bit of netflix original romantic comedy you could do worse i'm sure yeah there's much worse on there than this yeah so you know it's all right um, but yeah, so I, I, I quite enjoyed this. I, th- I think it was a fun enough little movie. Um, 
Did it annoy I, I, you that the guy who was dressed as Angus Young at the party had the wrong guitar? <laughs> Given that he's supposed to be a real fan of his, I did think, uh, come on, mate. Yeah. But I, I, it was, you know, it was all right. I didn't, I didn't mind it. Yeah. It was, it was fine. I won't be watching I, it again, but. No, yeah. no. And I, th- and I think its main flaw is it doesn't spend enough time on Carrie as a character because they do all of that stuff like eventually revealing through the magic of exposition that her ex-boyfriend is the person at the party that she makes out with and stuff like that. Jello shot doctor. Jello shot doctor. Um, and I think that's a, that's a bit of a strange one that they didn't really delve into that more. Um, but her character, I don't think, has enough to her which I think is a real shame because, you know, the performance is good and, and the sort mm. of core of the character is good. You just want that little bit more screen time for her to really let that character come out. Absolutely, yeah. She she needed to be more of the focus, for sure. There needed to be more scenes between them and the interactions between them needed to be different. Like they seem to be, There seems to be almost a bit of an animosity between them at first and actually it should have been a sort of playful flirting. Yeah, or... or, or you know you can have that animosity but have it as a sort of jokey one rather than as an outright you know and and i think there's that abrasive friendship between them but it's clear that they're not actually friends if they'd made it so that they did know each other a little bit well already um that would have made it much better yeah um but instead there's just that kind of oh you're a guy i see every so often but you're a bit of a a bit of a jerk kind of thing um yeah whereas i think it could have it could have worked much better and then that would have led to the scenes where there's that genuine animosity between them working a lot better yes but instead the tone between the two of them kind of remains the same all the way through the movie up until the end yeah and and, and that's a real issue yeah oh well. it's it's not bad no it's no no it's, I, i'd say it's a decent enough film yeah. i'm pleased i watched it yeah me too do uh do you have trivia um let me have a little look um uh, here's a bit of trivia for you adam devine is going to play kirby in the live action kirby movie no he's not the, uh, um. what i genuinely got excited for a second there <laughs> there's a live action kirby movie i mean i i want that to happen hashtag divine for kirby let's yeah. get that going <laughs> is he on twitter i'll drop him a tweet and he's say, got to be He's got to be on Twitter. Oh, are you, are you um, saying that um, like Detective Pikachu has set up, uh, is setting a precedent for that kind of thing? Yes, I want more of that, please. I want more offbeat comedies based around uh, video game characters. You know, so do you think Kirb, Kirby would be like kind of furry as well? No, or Kirby's be a, definitely be not smooth. furry. He is smooth like a baby. <laughs> He's a big round baby. Possibly with a little bit of like gunge on him to make it really horrible like some kind Ugh. of cronenberg-esque body horror thing going on because you think about him he extends his mouth really wide and swallows people whole and takes in their essence to increase his power that is like some that's some grade a the blob style shit right there um yeah and i i am all there for it to watch adam devine through cgi uh, stretch his mouth incredibly wide and, <laughs> and swallow that's the disgusting. rock to gain his muscles <laughs> Yeah, who's going to play? Um, who's going to play King DDD? Oh, that's true. We'll get Danny we DeVito Nicholas, in. Nicholas Cage. No, Danny, because Danny <laughs> DeVito did such a good job with the Penguin in Batman Returns. We'll get him to play a different Penguin this time around. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Penguin with a big hammer. Yeah, that would be great. Um, 
<laughs> I'm, I'm all on board. Nicholas Cage can be Meta Knight. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so, so in in terms in terms of actual trivia instead of our dream trivia, um, so Alexander Daddario only filmed this for two weeks as he had to shoot We Have Always Lived in the Castle, which is a very cool looking movie that I'm, I'm looking what? forward to seeing whenever it comes out. Um, and so then the extra shooting was done. There was lots of night shoots uh, for the Halloween party scenes to make oh, up for c- it. Of course, yeah. They're um, filming all so, night. Yeah, so... Um, so yeah, so that, I thought that was interesting, and 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 that's a really cool sounding movie. We've always lived in the castle. Yeah, I'm just um, looking at this now. 2018 mystery, a nice, a nice mystery thing, um, cool. which looks cool. Um, oh, it's based on the Shirley Jackson novel. Okay, right. I've heard of the book, but I have not. Read yeah, it. I've I've heard of it, but I've not read it. Um, so I'm quite intrigued to see that when it comes out. Um. There was there was a little bit of improvisation in this movie as well. Oh yeah, uh, mainly by Adam. Uh, um, of so course, it didn't didn't stick entirely to it, which is kind of par for the course for these kind of movies, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Do you think he made up the line "I'm fat now" all by himself? <laughs> I like to think that that was part of the script. <laughs> no, I, I think it was. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that that will do for trivia, won't it? Yeah, yeah, that's cool. How uh, how are we going to rate this? How many times would you travel back in time to change the plot of this movie? Oh, blimey. To break yourself out of the friend zone. <laughs> yeah, to break yourself out yeah. of the friend zone. How many times would you travel back in time? I would travel back in time nine times, I'm going to say. I think Okey this dokey. is just below a Bon Jovi for me. It's yeah, it's not quite there. The the as I said, the, the frustration with it having a a good story that was not well executed kind of irritated me. So, but it, it gets up to a nine for yeah, having some funny and enjoyable moments. See, you? for me, for me, I'd go for thirteen here. I I quite enjoyed this movie. It's got its flaws, but I like the central premise. I thought the the um the characters were good fun. I thought the performances were good. Um, but yeah, that that pacing issue is really what killed it. Otherwise, it could have been much better. Oh wow, that's that's a relatively high differential, differential of four, which is also what we had in Red Riding Hood. But we all know that you enjoy that kind of shit much more than I do. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say significantly <laughs> lower overall, though, wasn't it? Yeah. So, oh, interestingly, The Shape of Water was a differential of four, but the other way, so I, I gave it an 18, which was very high. You gave it a 14. Yeah, it was it was good, but. It didn't have someone shouting, I'm fat now. Yeah. No, nobody in that film at any point said that the wolf can't cross onto holy ground. So you know <laughs> exactly. that at the end, they all just got eaten by a wolf. The, the fish can't cross into holy ground. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can swim there. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I gave Purple Rain a 14. You gave it a 10. See, that's that's about the, the depth of my Prince fandom, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, very good very good so what uh what are we watching next that's a really good point i i, I was in two minds about this because i i really wanted to watch the movie that this is clearly based off groundhog day how, yeah how would you feel about watching groundhog day i would feel fine about that because i haven't seen that film in about 15 years and i can't yeah. really remember what happens so same here i remember the bit where he gets in a car and drives it until it blows up 
unless that was just some kind of random dream <laughs> no, I had. That was that, that actually happened. Don't you remember? Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, Groundhog Day then. Let's do it. Yeah, Groundhogs right. in the one. day. That's good. To, good for a thematic continuation as well. That's good. And then it's not long then until um until Christmas. So we can do our, indeed do Christmas indeed. month, which we need to plan. But we ne- do. Netflix seems to have, seems to have some terrible looking festive shite on there, so I'm very excited about that. <laughs> I'm on board for that. I don't think any of it could match up to a Christmas Prince. Oh no, isn't there a sequel to a Christmas Prince coming out? Is there? I think so. Yeah. Wait, just last thing before I go. Let's let's um let's look this up. A Christmas Prince two. Let's see. Netflix's A Christmas Prince, The Royal Wedding trailer. Yes, Queen. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Sing Ho's Addison sound the Royal Aldovian trumpets. <laughs> God's okay. sake. I found, I found a trailer. When is it out? Just tell me when is it out? Oh, man. I, I think it's out in time for Christmas. I'm, I mean, it's got to be. It's not yeah. the New Year's Eve Prince, is it? No, this is this is true. This is true. Let's see. Oh yeah. The, the okay. W- thanks, Wikipedia. A sequel titled "The Christmas Prince: The Royal Wedding" is set for release in 2018. Sweet. I mean, we're all enjoying royal weddings over the last couple of years, aren't we? It's sort of become a thing where even my kind of anti-royalist heart has started to be thawed by Harry and Meghan. Although I hope they don't have their baby yeah. before mine. They better not. Yeah, I don't want to steal my thunder. Sue them. Sue them for taking away from the glory of your child. Yep, I'm going to sue them. Because I've got all the money and they've got none. Exactly. Everyone knows that the royal family has no money. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So we'll look forward to that in December. And we'll look forward to um, talking about Groundhog Day next week. Um, is there anything else you want to briefly mention before I before I disappear? Uh, no, that's everything from me. Oh, alrighty. Well, as usual, thank you very much for tuning in. We really, really do appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed when we first met. Um, if you have any thoughts or anything, as always, you can contact us on Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod. You can email us Big Boys Don't Cry Podcast at gmail.com. And if you're not subscribed, remember to subscribe so you get it every week, every Friday morning for the last 80 episodes. So, you know, this is going to carry on for the rest of your life. It is, literally until the day you die. Yeah, not until the day we die, until the day you no. die. Yeah, even if we both die in some horrific car crash, yeah, um, it's still going to keep going somehow. Yeah. It's going to be really creepy. The ghost podcast, the ghost cast. Yeah, it'll just yeah, it'll carry on. It'll be just like Nicolas Cage with a sheet over his head talking shit. Because he's immortal. <laughs> he's never going to die. No, it's true. He's not. Yeah. So yeah, maybe that's a that's a bit more Halloween appropriate. It'll be it'll be festive. It will. It will. Yeah. All right. Well, we will be back next week to talk about Groundhog Day. Indeed. Bye-bye. Bye.